What is up, everybody? Welcome back to your least favorite sports podcast, Four Dudes, One Mike. Today, we actually have all four dudes here in the production room. We have not clickbaited you. As a reminder, my name's Logan. I'm joined here today by Ryan. Yo. Liam. Yo. And Tyler, who overslept the recording of our last episode. What do you got to say for yourself, Tyler? Well, you know, when you work like I do, around the clock, 24-7, I'm just, you know, really grinding all the time. Um, you know, you you tend to sleep in, uh, so that that's my excuse. That's the excuse. All right, we're going to go with that. Uh, I'd, I'd expand on that issue, but we want to stay on the air. <laughs> so, yeah, nothing, we got quite a bit to go over Nothing extra was going on. Uh, yeah, we do, Logan. We'll be reacting to this NFL Week 1 results. Not as much recapping, but we'll be taking like key takeaways from like key players who played in some like great key wins. Um, we also take a brief look at uh, college football, um, and then we will uh, end with our picks for the upcoming NFL week, as this is being recorded just before the Thursday night game is being played. We're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys talk, because I just read something on my way in. I wanted to talk to you, Liam, about it on our walk here together, but did not get to it. Dallas Cowboys, right? We're talking about looking for a quarterback. So you're not going to start Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush, a 60% completion, three touchdowns, one pick in his career, a losing record. You don't want to start him, right? Everyone's going to talk about trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. But after the, how Trey Lance played last week, I don't think the Niners are really going to want to give away Jimmy Garoppolo like that. And you talk about his new deal where it's a no-trade clause. You're not going to talk about that. I think really what the Cowboys should do is there's one quarterback that's sitting on a bench right now that wants a job. That is number two for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If I'm Jerry Jones, why am I not looking at Mason Rudolph right now? You're talking about a $2 million cap hit, a guy who has had plenty of NFL playing experience. He's sitting on a bench. He was a healthy scratch last week. Why, as the Dallas Cowboys, are you not looking at Mason Rudolph right now? All right. I'm not at all arguing with you saying that Mason Rudolph and guys like that aren't better than Cooper Rush. By the time you trade for a guy like Rudolph, get him get him in the playbook, get him out on the field, you're talking two or three weeks. By that point, at least according to what Jerry Jones says, he's almost back on the field. Because they're talking about like Dak's going to be back in five, six, seven weeks. So by the time you trade for him, you've given up all that capital for a guy who maybe plays two or three games. You're talking about a hand injury to a quarterback. And as a quarterback, I suffered a ligament sprain in my right hand. It's a tough injury to come back from. You're also talking about why they want to rush him back because you have Cooper Rush as your starting quarterback right now. That's why you want to rush him back. Mason Rudolph not only gives the team, Dak Prescott, just a little more time to get healthy from that injury, and Mason is a smart guy. So, Pat Manor football has a lot more issues than hand injuries to quarterback, but that's for another day. <laughs> yeah, I'm not blaming Yeah, you're right on that one. Now, what we're really talking about is there's some guy. He is the third string, or, or right, the second string, for the Philadelphia Eagles, second-string no quarterback <laughs> named Gardner <laughs> Minshew, the stash, the stash. And I know you like stashes because you have one. I, I have a six stash. If I you think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to trade their backup quarterback to the Cowboys, yeah, you yeah, that won't happen. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Uh, what about thing, Ben DiNucci? And here's the thing about the here's, <laughs> here's the thing about the uh, the Eagles right now too. And uh, like I said, I'm um, Honestly, for me, and like I said, I'm not an Eagles fan, and I, I still like the Eagles like a lot of their players, but as you know, as you guys, most of you guys being Eagles fans, you can't tell me the win was not impressive at all. That whole game had to really undervalue you because not only did your run defense, which was supposed to be so new and improved, got really exposed hard by DeAndre Swift. And, and a Lions offensive line, that isn't bad. It's not the greatest offensive line, but it's improved. So you can't tell me that that win you know, really didn't show anything. 
And Jalen Hurts proved kind of what everyone's been saying about him. Amazing athlete. Struggled to throw the ball early. Me and Liam, Liam, we were watching the game together, and we kept saying the same things. It looks like he's too. he bails on clean pockets. He's scared to step up if there's a pocket, and he really just looks to run if his first target isn't there. So if I'm the Eagles, I'm keeping Gardner Minshew just in case you need someone that can go in there and manage passing situations a little better than Jalen Hurts does because, honestly, this past Sunday, he did not prove very, very well that uh, – he's taking that next step as a passer. All right. Well, I honestly completely agree with that. I was getting really, really pissed off at Jalen Hurts like throughout that game. I think Tyler and Ryan and Logan heard me screaming at him because he just kept on rolling out of the pocket and running. You have you have a insane wide receiver. A.J. Brown is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and I can firmly say that. Second receiving yards. Yeah, he's sec- he's sec- he was second in receiving yards. So, like – he definitely like needs to like explore those options because he has a great tight end. He has two, I'd say one great wide receiver and one good wide receiver. Devonte Smith still is young, but like he just needs to use those options. If he's not using those options and he's using his legs, then why would the Eagles trade or get AJ Brown in the first place? There's no point to if Jalen Hurts is not going to throw the ball or spread the ball around. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Jalen Hurts had more rushing yards than passing yards to start that game, which I just found pretty interesting. There are a lot of Eagle fans who want to hit the panic button after that game. Was it against the Lions? Yes. But there were a lot of positives you can take from that game. Jalen Hurts throwing the ball downfield was exceptional. He didn't throw the ball a lot, but when he threw the ball past, like, let's say 10, 15 yards, he was very good. The connection with A.J. Brown is very promising, and you know Devontae Smith's going to get involved there eventually. And as far as the run defense goes... I don't think it's uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for. I don't think it's a personnel issue. I think it's a Jonathan Gannon issue. He is um, not the best coordinator. You look at guys like Jordan Davis. When he was on the field, they were giving up three, four yards a rush. When he's off the field, they're giving up ten plus. You can't have that. I mean, John Jordan Davis has to be on the football field. And uh, whatever game were we watching there on uh, Sunday? We were yeah. watching the uh, Steelers Cincinnati game, and uh, obviously, oh boy, obviously, I, I missed last uh, last podcast for uh, uh, different reasons. But um, I, uh, I'm a huge Steelers fan. Me and Ryan here, both huge Steelers fans, got to watch the game together. It's pretty sweet. And um, I'm gonna start with a few takeaways I have. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know me, as we go back to you know drafts and Jalen Hurts stuff like that, I do a huge mock draft analysis every year big guy into like scouting and getting scout reports so so Mitchell Trubisky that year is the first year I actually uh started to do draft analysis and watching a lot of film and Mitchell Trubisky at uh UNC sorry really did impress me as a quarterback and when the Bears took him I really wasn't as upset or shocked as everyone was because I thought he had it and he showed in Chicago that he had it and then Matt Nagy started to really take over and then you saw the downhill so his game with the Steelers I was actually really upset at the play calling. The play calling was horrendous. And we've been saying this for a while. Matt Canada needs to go. We've said this with Ben, and everyone wanted to, you know, give him his excuses because we had a tree trunk back there at quarterback, and, you know, our offensive line's off. And our offensive line is really bad. I, I don't know if Mitch is going to be able to survive the whole year. But you can't tell me – I mean, Ryan, you saw it too, and even Liam and Logan, you guys watched the game – you can't tell me watching the Steelers play calling, they look scared to let Mitch do anything. They look really timid to let Mitch play. And I get it if it was Kenny in there and it was the same exact play calling because then you can give the, okay, you need to let the rookie in a way hostile environment in Cincinnati really get into the game. Mitch Trubisky's an NFL veteran now. 
he can sling the ball downfield. He's proven. I remember a very specific play in the Eagles playoff game of his deep shot. I think it was to Allen Robinson it was in the to playoff Allen game. Robinson, I a remember dime, that. A dime, a laser in a cover two situation. So, you know, he has the talent and he has the arm strength. I really hope this week with New England, I really hope they let him sling the ball a little bit. New England coming off a really rough loss in embarrassing, Miami. Embarrassing. Their, sec- their secondary looked a little rough. I mean, a, a few good deflections, but nothing really able to get any takeaways. So I really hope they let Mitch sling the ball. I mean, you're talking about Najee Harris is going to come into the game a little banged up. And uh, I was also really hoping to see more George Pickens. I think he only walked away with two targets, maybe one target mm-hmm. that game. So you're talking they need to get him involved, but... You know, Mitch Trubisky, I think, threw the ball over 30 times, but really only able to get, like, 148 yards. And that's not normal. So I would really like to see what uh, Mitch can do this week. Um, I really hope they're able to expand the playbook. But, uh, Ryan, as another Steelers fan, what do you think your takeaways were the game? I think Mitch Trubisky was, like, the perfect game-managing quarterback. Um, He didn't make a big mistake. He didn't throw a bad pick. But granted, saying that, you know, the play calling on third down was, like, atrocious um the third down conversion rates for the Steelers in that game was terrible and because the and Ryan just to bring it you you were there saw that a third and 12 under two minutes to go you get the first down the game's over and you run a jet sweep with Chase Claypool Chase Claypool was the Steelers leading rusher he had three jet sweeps three jet sweeps I'm sorry I played midget football high school football middle school football we you contain jet sweeps in elementary, so like you know as a midget, jet sweeps are coming. What do you think an NFL pro is gonna say when they see a wide receiver go down in motion? And it's it, it's embarrassing. It, it was it was atrocious. Yeah, the play calling was pretty bad. Um, I think the Steelers are gonna need more from their offense, and I hope that because of the T.J. Watt injury, he's gonna be missing four weeks at least. He yes. just got placed on IR. Yeah. Um, I think they're gonna need more from their offense because he's gonna be out, and I hope this this Sunday versus the Patriots that they open actually open up the playbook and let Mitch Trubisky do what he's proven he can do. So. Well, yeah, I completely agree with that. And as some of you know, Mitchell Trubisky is a one-time Pro Bowler. He is a one-time Pro Bowler. I'm pretty sure it was a, su- it was a substitute for someone. the greatest tweet of all time. Can't, can't say what it says, but he has the greatest tweet of all <laughs> he time. He does have the greatest tweet of says, all but time. But you're also talking about a Steelers defense, right, that shows – no, no step backs at all from last year. Best defense in the NFL, dude. It's not even a hot take. Five for me. takeaways, and you can really, and your offense can only muster up. I think it was only ten offensive points, maybe, not uh, thirteen with the overtime field goal. Yeah. So five takeaways, you can only muster up thirteen points as an offense. That's really bad. Like that's that that's not good. <laughs> Any, it doesn't take an NFL analysis to know that's not good. So, you know, again, we talk about the T.J. Watt injury, but Alex Highsmith came in had about three sacks. Um, I think Malik Reed is, I think, and a forced fumble and a pick. I mean, T.J. Watt was going to probably be defense player of the year after that game. He loses now. So now Alex Highsmith comes in, has a you know forced fumble, three sacks. I think a thing they need to do now is you're going to have Malik Reed step in there, who I kind of liked in the preseason, showed a little bit of you know edge rushing ability, but he's more of just a run stopper a little bit. Maybe can drop back and pass. But, you know, that defensive line, Cam Hayward got banged up there at the end of the game. So you're talking about a defense that's coming a little banged up out of Cincinnati. I would really like to see that offense step up and kind of let Mitch do his own thing now because you don't have to worry about Mitch Trubisky failing. You have him on a two-year contract. The cap hit isn't that big. You have a rookie ready to play right after him. What do you have to worry about with Mitch Trubisky, right? He fails? Cool. Slap Kenny Pickett in. Kenny Pickett fails? Hey, guess what? You got Mason Rudolph who's been in that system for about five, six years now. And obviously Ryan's laughing about Mason Rudolph. But you're talking about a guy with offensive experience, and that does come into play. When you know the playbook inside and out like Mason Rudolph has, it makes a huge difference. 
Mason Rudolph also has a lot of defensive experience against helmets. <laughs> but um, besides that, just like recapping on that, the Steelers need to trust Mitchell Trubisky. I know that's like a wild thing, and people like hate on Mitchell Trubisky, but Matt Nagy is probably one of the worst yes. ho- coaches in NFL history, and I can confidently say that from the offensive side of the ball and offensive standpoint. But um, just Mitch needs to be trusted. If they trust him, they will win more games. The play calling needs to be more aggressive and more upbeat. Like, the Eagles were trusting Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts was making the wrong decisions. When Mitch Trubisky was getting the the trust from uh, the play calling, he was making those conversions, staying in the pocket and making his passes. He was going through his reads. He was doing everything he was supposed to. He just wasn't being trusted by his teammates. And another thing we should also talk about is where did the Bengals go from this? Because the Bengals are in, like, a kind of a weird spot. That was a game they were supposed to win. They're the defend like defending Super Bowl like losers, obviously, right? But they just went to the Super Bowl. They have probably one of the best wide receiver cores in the NFL right now, one of the most explosive offenses, and they just get absolutely obliterated by the Steelers D line. Like that O line needs to improve to see them to go back to that big game. And that's something I want to see from them. Yeah, as far as the Bengals, um, I think they'll rebound. You know, they got the Cowboys this week. Obviously, they have their quarterback issues that they got to figure out. But I think the Bengals will be fine. You know, they, I think they just had a bad game. Uh, Joe Burrow, this one game doesn't really define him. And then one one defense player I, we do have to mention that we haven't mentioned yet is Minka Fitzpatrick. He he had that pick six on the second play of the game that really set the tone. And the block the, the AT. Um, and then he also had, like, 14 tackles. Um, this defense without Minka Fitzpatrick is – not as good as it is because he really helps out the secondary for the Steelers. Well, the Bengals, I mean, we did talk a lot about them in our first episode. They are due for a step back. They should. They were not a Super Bowl team last year, and I think it's unrealistic to expect them to get back to the same point. They're going to be fine. Um, we have talked over 12 minutes about the Steelers game. There are a lot of games that went on this week. One thing let's talk about, uh, me and Ryan were watching this game together. What on earth was that Seahawks and Broncos game? When um, we were watching that game, and um, I saw um, Brandon McManus try out in that field to attempt a 64-yard field goal, I thought I was missing something because there was no way that I thought I had to be missing something because there was no way they were going to make a decision that stupid after paying Russell Wilson all that money and giving up all that assets, all those assets for him to run out Brandon McManus for the second longest field goal in NFL history. I completely agree. Also, Brandon McManus has not made a single game-time field goal over 60 yards in his whole entire career. He is 0 for 5 from over 60. That is one of the worst play calls the Broncos could have made. You just paid Russell Wilson. You got him on your team. Why are you not giving him the ball on the game-time decision? He's your big-time quarterback. Let him my opinion. He is a top-five quarterback right now. That's my opinion, and I think they need to trust him. That game is really unfortunate. That's not on Russell Wilson. It's on play calling and the running backs. Running backs fumble two times in the one-yard line. That should never happen in an NFL football game, ever. So you're talking third and 15, about a minute and a half left. You dump it off Javante Williams. He makes a great play to set you up a fourth and five, just barely in field goal range, right? And, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Pat McAfee podcast. Shout out to another podcast, a little more popular than us. Um, So watching the Pat McAfee podcast, he has obviously had a lot of kicking experience. And he said every week a kicker will come into a game or leaving warm-ups and tells their coach, hey, I can hit from 49. If the ball's on the 49, right, left, hash, whatever, I can go from there. So the rumor right now is that McManus said, hey, look, from 49 or whatever, I can hit, which would be 65. So I think that, you know, it wasn't awful, but, you know, I just think that, 
at the same time, you have to let Russell Wilson kind of play his game. You know, as you know, the popular contradiction, let Russ cook. It's real. We need to let Russ cook there on a fourth and five. You're talking about, you know, after that third and fifth down or third and 15 play, right? You get down a minute 10, maybe you call your first time out of three. Any Madden say anyone who's played Madden knows how what to do in that situation, and it's, and it's 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 a popular belief I've had since I was younger. NFL coaches need to play Madden, and if you're an NFL coach, you should be required, like Kyler Murray, except the opposite. You should be required to play video games. You should have to sit there in Madden and set yourself up in situations. You know what to do, because what coach, what Madden player, whatever, has three timeouts with a minute ten left. You first run the whole clock down to about 20, 20 30 seconds, then take your first time out. 22. 22? Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that Nathaniel Hackett, right? And first of all, I'll say this. When Nathaniel Hackett was hired, I wish we had this platform because I went on a tear to my friends about Nathaniel Hackett and how awful of a hire that is, right? Oh, Packers offensive coordinator. We all know Matt LaFleur was calling those plays. Yes. And Aaron Rodgers, right? You know? Brian Duball, that was a head coach, an offensive coordinator hire that I was so high on because he was the one that developed Josh Allen. And I think he's a great hire for the Giants. And I obviously was backed up on Sunday uh, winning against the Titans. I thought Nathaniel Hackett was an awful hire, and here it is now. Because when you go from an OC to a head coach, an OC doesn't have to worry about timeouts. They have to worry about what hash the ball is on and can my kicker hit from here, can my kicker hit from here. You know, can I talk to Russell and see what he wants to do? So he just wasn't ready, and... Obviously, as a first-time head coach, I think the least thing you're about going to game against the Seahawks, who started by Geno Smith, which, shout-out West Virginia alumni, shout-out West Virginia legend, Geno Smith, because, wow, what a game. As Rex Ryan said, a jaw soft as a pillow, but what a game from Geno Smith. I don't think we um, want guys who um, only play Madden come out here and run PA crossers every ever play and loan out your defensive keys, but, um, <laughs> you know... <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> we want to talk about other debuting quarterbacks on new teams. Um, what what do, what do we think about Carson Wentz and that game against the Jags, going against going against his former head coach Doug Peterson? What do we think about that? I think he I think he said his name wrong. It's Carson Wentz because he again showed his ability <laughs> to for some reason give up on plays. Carson Wentz played an ideal Carson Wentz game, just said he got the W right. He throws out, he throws these flashy deep balls, and you think, man, he's back. And then he has those two to three plays where you're just like, Carson, what are you doing? I Again, this is when I wish we had screens to put up highlights and stuff because I could pull up three to four plays I saw where he had a clean pocket and all of a sudden hunched down and was ready to take a sack. And, you know, Carson Wentz, right, you're talking about a nasty knee injury he suffered, right? You're talking about a guy who's always batted and bruised. He had that year on the Eagles where, as an Eagles fan, you guys know that offensive line was atrocious and he got beat. But he's kind of having this Derek Carr 2019-2020 effect where he looks scared to play football sometimes. He can stand in a pocket and be strong. It's like the first few hits he takes early in a game sets him back. And he looked scared. But, hey, I'll tell you what, though. He was able to fill a box score and make himself look good. Because if you didn't actually watch the game, you're thinking Carson Wentz had a really good game. But as someone who was able to go back and watch a little bit of the game and not just highlights of the game, you really got to see the full Carson Wentz in effect and making flashy plays. But then kind of dialing it back and it kind of stinks because it still shows that Carson Wentz has it and you're also looking at a play where my favorite play of the game was shout out first overall pick Javon Walker out of Georgia uh edge rusher who I still will defend he is better than Aiden Hutchinson and should have went first overall and obviously <laughs> I was right in my mock draft that I had that it, you know he would go first he threw it was a looks like a wide receiver screen pass 
and would dump it off, and Trevon Walker was just sitting there. And he still threw it anyway. And, you know, screen passes are really hard as a quarterback because that is your design. That is where you throw. But it was a tough play. So uh, that was tough for Carson Wentz. But obviously, again, able to fill a box score and make himself look good. So proud of him there. But uh, one thing he was able to do was uh, outshine his former team, the Colts, because Matt Ryan looked like regression has hit him oh, tough. Yeah. One thing on that really quick, he hit 6,000 passing yards in that game, and the ball went immediately to the Hall of Fame. You want to know what number the ball was? <laughs> ball number 283. Yeah, that's, can't escape that's that number. You can't escape that number. That's, um, that's tough. Let's talk about that Colts-Texans game a little bit. And Matt Ryan, he, obviously he wasn't terrible. He wasn't Matt Ryan. He wasn't Matt Ryan. You know, as much as I'm going to talk about the Colts, right, I'm going to talk about another quarterback that I was so highly on. <laughs> and, dude, this is why I love being a draft guy, right, because it's – it's sweet to see these players succeed. And this is a guy I wanted the Steelers to get for so long. Long neck, Stanford legend, Davis Mills. <laughs> Dude, he is a freaking baller, man. He's a baller, and I'm so high on him. I don't think he's, you know, MVP worthy like Patrick Mahomes, you know. We as NFL fans now are so keyed in on these quarterbacks like Lamar, who's the flashy athlete with the talented armor, the Patrick Mahomes no-looker 50-yard down the field. Whatever happened to these quarterbacks like Davis Mills that can go and just win you ball games just sitting in the pocket and letting his receivers work? And he showed that last season when he went in for a god-awful Texans team and then did it this year with just a bad Texans team. So Davis Mills, again, I'm so highly on, and I wonder what the Texans are going to do with him because, again, right, the Texans are probably going to be bad this year. I don't think this game will make them, you know, have 9, 10 wins sneaking in the playoffs. They're going to be a bad team, maybe 4 or 5 wins. Probably going to be a top five pick. This quarterback draft class is loaded, and I'm excited for this podcast around draft time because I'm about to come in with five hours worth of videos watched and tape watched on all these quarterbacks. If you're a Texans GM right now, top five pick, are you really not picking Bryce Young? Are you really not picking C.J. Stroud? And again, I'm high on Davis Mills, but I'm also very, very high on Bryce Young. He is a baller, right, overall. Had a rough game against Texas, though. I think he had a really rough game against Texas. When we get into college football, we can talk a little more about that. But Davis Mills is a baller. I'll stand by that. Also, free Brandon Cooks. I'm going to stay on that, too. <laughs> uh, I completely agree with the free Brandon Cooks. Um, also, going back to, like, drafting, uh, like, C.J. Stroud and stuff, I understand that C.J. Stroud is an immense talent, but there has not been a single successful Ohio State quarterback in the NFL since, like, what, 2000? If Justin Fields goes to any other team but the Bears, all right, fair talking, enough. No, we yeah. are talking. No, yes, I Justin said this, Fields. Yeah. Justin Fields. Ten years 100%. from now in our lifetime, we will be looking at at Justin Fields and saying, "What if?" Because I know he has it. But you're talking about a guy who right now, and I'm not saying Justin Fields is a bust. I'll never. I'm not a guy to call players bust, but Justin Fields right now will probably never be what he should be because his first year was just ruined by Matt Nagy. It's Mitch Trubisky all over again. It is Mitch Trubisky all over again, except Mitch Trubisky was able to have a nice little spark year and give the NFL something. I just don't think Justin Fields will do that. I think right now Justin Fields maybe projects to be like our today's Marcus Mariota maybe, where he hops around some teams with some backups, maybe gets a starting job on a really, really awful team as a bridge quarterback. But he just looks ruined. And even in that 49ers game, I went back and watched some tape on that. On all, Usually all his throws and runs is usually what I do for quarterbacks. You can usually find them on YouTube, just every pass, yeah. incomplete, complete. And there wasn't that many. Obviously, it was a slosh game, so it's really hard to judge a quarterback in that game. But, man, he looked rattled again. And 
that Bears team isn't talented enough for him. I mean, his number one wide receiver is Darnell Mooney, who's at best in a slot receiver position. Uh, I think his ex receiver is uh, Equimia St. Brown. It's it's not great, man. I mean, it really isn't. So, I think Justin Fields right now is really on a downhill slope. And you know, again, talking about other rookie quarterbacks here, this just popped to my mind because I had this discussion with uh, my friend today. Uh, looking back at that uh, Commanders, sorry, Commanders game and Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, are we done making excuses for him yet? Because am, as I a generational completely. quarterback, right, he came into this draft. He came into the draft, right? Here's my here's my thing. If you're coming to the draft and you're a generational talent, you're supposed to make your team better, not make it stagnated, right? Look at what Andrew Luck did for the Colts, right? Andrew Luck was a guy that came in, and that Colts team was still bad, and he led them to the playoffs and beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. I remember Trevor Lawrence isn't making the Jaguars better. And if you're a generational quarterback, the best quarter, quote-unquote best quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck, you have to make your team better. Because here's my thing. Everyone's trashing on people like Trey Lance. And like I said, yeah, I just trashed on Justin Fields. But still, people will go off on J- uh, Justin Fields and stuff like that. But we'll say, well, Trevor Lawrence is in a bad situation. Okay? You're a generational quarterback. You have to make your team better, not make it stagnated. Trevor Lawrence does the same thing I see Justin Fields do. He bails on clean pockets. He doesn't trust his reads. And he has an above-average arm, so he tries to rely on that more than timing. In the NFL, it's timing and anticipation, not your arm strength. It's not college anymore, buddy. I completely agree. Also, um, Trevor Lawrence also has prob- probably like the most weapons in the NFL like right now. I understand that's average. an over-exaggeration, average. I mean, but yeah. James, Rob- than, James yeah. Robinson was a top-five running back two years ago. That is one of the best rushers in the NFL when he's put in like the correct scenarios and you're giving him the ball constantly. He also has Travis Etienne, great out of college. I, I really want to see like big production from him as he, I feel like he could had be a rough like... Game. He did had have a rough, a rough game. game. He has better weapons than people like Davis Mills does. And Davis yes. Mills is showing Agreed. potential. He Trevor Lawrence is testing, and you again, Urban Meyer excuse. Okay, I get it. Urban Meyer's awful coach to yeah, deal with. Agreed. But like we just said about Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky elevated that Bears team with Matt Nagy, who then went on to prove he was maybe one of the worst coaches. Oh, Urban Meyer does exist, but you know, besides Urban Meyer, so for for Trevor Lawrence, for me, it's really getting to a point where I'm starting to get dumb make excuses, and it's not because he's young, and I get that, but when you're listed as a generational best seen prospect since Andrew Luck. You have to be able to make your team better, which he has not done yet. I completely agree with that. And then they also have Marvin Jones Jr., don't they, as well? Solid. He's so yeah. solid. He, he's really good. He's a go-up, get-it, jump-ball type of receiver. Um, all right, we're going to loop back. I say we loop back to this Colts game just for a quick second. Matt Ryan obviously played terrible. But I want to talk. The Colts had an insane fourth-quarter comeback. Yeah. Just if you look at that, if you look at it that way. They were no way in that game. It's 20-3 to going into the fourth quarter. And you start piecing together drives, start piecing together plays, and you put your team right back in the game. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about that game a little bit more. Let's talk more about what happened at the end. I mean, look at the box score, 2020. What about the What about the overtime format? I mean, we saw it change just for the playoffs, but I don't think it's a wild statement to say every team should have the ball in overtime. Ties are stupid. Ties are stupid. You're uh, already playing 15 uh, extra minutes. Ties are stupid. Look. Yeah. I get the player safety, right? If player safety and science was so right all the time, hear me out, college football would have ties then. You, you, know, you know, ties yeah. are stupid. Get ties out of the game, play until a winner, because nowadays you're already asking these guys to go out here and play 60 minutes of hard football, an extra 10. You're playing 70 minutes of hard football. You know what I mean? And some of these games, it's like, you know, the Colts got the ball back there at the end. 
Who says that drive isn't the one to win? And that's what, four or five extra minutes maybe? I'm just saying. It, it gets to a point where when do you look at ties and say this is stupid? I think we have a few possibilities here. We have one option, which is go to a college, old college-style overtime where, I mean, you just go back and forth, start at what, the 25-30? What is it exactly? Uh, you just start on the opponent's 25. 25. You could do something like that. You could do something where I, I don't think ties happen enough for it to be a real issue. I mean, we see, what, two, two three year at most? But it shouldn't happen at all. And then you have an option, which will never happen, but I find it kind of appealing. Let's let the kickers kick, you know? Let's start at the 40, have a kicker kick a field goal, then move on, go to the 45, go to the 50, go to the 55, go to the 60 until somebody misses. I mean, that'd be fun. Who, who doesn't want to watch that? What are some of the best sports memories we have, right? It's those two, three overtime games, the game where it's just hard fought. No one looks like no one wants to win, right? I mean, I'm a big hockey guy. Some of the best regular season hockey games are usually the ones that go into two, three overtime because you can't tie in hockey. Think about baseball games, those those 15th, 16th inning games. where The old 21-inning ones. They're putting, the in, they're, they're putting in position players to pitch because they are so – everyone's arms are dead and, you know, noodles. You have to look at it and just say when, when – like when do ties just stop? Because football, NFL is really the only sport that is really keeping ties a thing. I mean, college football, right? Penn State, Illinois last year. How sick was that game, right? Oh, yeah, that was I mean, crazy. Oh, my goodness, Beautiful game. man. Think about LSU and Texas A&M years ago. Oh, my goodness. These multiple overtime games, those are fun. Watching two teams fight for so long. I mean, I just watched my team play for 70 minutes, and it ends in a tie. Like, how can I not be upset right now? Um, I, 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 like, I completely agree with it. Um, I do think it does, like, 100% need to be changed. I think we all can agree on that. Yeah. As we, as we've said, um, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, what we could really, like, like, go for, though, that would make 100% sense. I get, like, the college format. I get that. I would also want to see the kicker thing. Like, maybe you do, like, one singular overtime. If no one scores, you do, do, like, the kicker thing Logan said. I think that'd be really entertaining to watch because, personally, I actually like kickers kicking the ball. If you had a long field goal, I'm going to watch that, and I love that. I think I think college has it down right now with the two-point uh, system they have, right, where each team gets two drives, and then the third drive, you have to go for a two-point conversion. I think that fits them best is when you have to go for a two-point conversion because here's the thing about two-point conversions and putting the ball in the two. You have to have the right play for that because you don't have space to work with. So you either get guys open or you have a power-running team. So putting the ball at the two-yard line, have each team get a shot, ball at the two-yard line, first team to not make it like they do in college is perfect because this is, hey, my team's better than yours. I can punch it in from two yards out, whether that's running or passing. That's really going to show, you know. Just keeping the game going, yeah, that's not really going to do much. It could still stay stagnant. But from the two-yard line, you score or you don't. That's uh, that's usually the best. Okay. Um. Well, I think we uh, pivot a little bit into some good old college football, the okay. more entertaining NFL, which yeah. I will confidently say because there are, number one, less penalties. Number two, one foot inbounds. More crazy catches, more action-packed plays. I love seeing those jump ball wide receivers in college. You just go up and grab it and then get that one foot in the end zone. I love seeing that. And I love watching it. So um, uh, let's talk about, like, really quick, we can talk about the Heisman race a little bit, as we know. Uh, main front runner right now, Bryce Young. But after yesterday, could be looking a little, a little shaky. So I have the odds up right now. C.J. Stroud overtake the Heisman odds. It's Bryce Young at second, depending on where you're looking, or Caleb Williams. And let me just start off by saying, Anthony Richardson, okay, being at four, 
has never upset me more as a college football fan. Anthony Richardson, right, <laughs> has once spin-a-rama throw, and everyone <laughs> loses their minds. Anthony Richardson did nothing really impressive against Kentucky. And besides that, conversion didn't really impress me at Utah. So the fact he's already being listed as a top three quarterback in the draft, first of all, when we get the draft analysis, and then let alone having decent Heisman odds, upsetting, upsetting. And Bryce Young, he won't repeat because they hate repeating. And even if he really, really could, he did not impress me at all against Texas. He had nothing but a fourth quarter drive. Yeah, that... Obviously, Bryce Young did not play his best game against Texas. Nobody on the Alabama football team played their best game against Texas. And, yes, it was against Texas. That is a Heisman moment right there. That game-winning drive, that is a Heisman moment. When you talk about Heisman moments, it's Heisman moments in games where they're already dominating, right? Texas, Alabama, right? Put this into perspective for Alabama, okay? Alabama goes into that game, 10-point favorites, right? Oh, it's looking shaky at the start. Quinn Ears goes down, and you're still only able to beat Texas by one. And Texas should have won. You were talking about a missed pass interference call, a missed safety call, and uh, I think a missed field goal early in the game. Texas wins that game. So Bryce is young, Bryce Young's you know Heisman moment, in reality, should have never came because they should have been down. Alabama went into that game. First of all, everyone knew it was going to be a matchup because they're in Texas, and it's a you know a little you know, a little old rivalry that hasn't been played in such a long time. And you knew Texas was going to play him tough. And I think Texas is a great team. Quinn Ears is an amazing quarterback, and I was so high on him. Really, I mean, he's a great recruit. He goes down, and Hudson Card, who might be, besides that Penn State backup years ago that played against Iowa, that might have been one of the worst backup performances I've seen in quite some time. Hudson Card had a really rough game, but it's Bama, so you don't expect him to play that well. I think Bryce Young really just disappointed me because he wasn't able to take that game over until, yeah, the fourth quarter, which is a Heisman moment, but really when you watch that game, and again, I hate looking at box scores because box scores will tell you nothing, right? You know, Bryce Young can be on his own five-yard line, throw a drag, and the receiver can take it 95 yards, and that'll show up as a 95-yard passing touchdown for Bryce Young. If you look at box scores as a fan, it doesn't work out. Watching that game, he was shaky, he didn't trust his reads, and he just looked he just looked scared. Yeah, I definitely expect a bigger game from Bryce Young, especially when you're playing a Big, te- big 12 defense. Big 12 defense is probably like some of the worst defensive the worst. plays. I've ever seen besides Oklahoma Oklahoma actually had a decent defense last year but it's nothing compared to the SEC and the Big Ten the Big Ten is historically known for having good D linemen having good D lineman play and having some like standout corners every now and then but like if you are an SEC team going in against a Big 12 team you're expected to put up 40 plus points and that is not an overstatement Big 12 defense is usually terrible and an SEC team, especially Alabama, the top school in the SEC, and it's been that way for a very, very, very long time. It might be changing in a Georgia's favor. We never know. But that could be changing, like, very soon. I, I, I really was, like, disappointed with Alabama, like, in that last game. I really was. I expected more points, and I expected more offense. Not a lot happening in the AP pool this week. Obviously, Georgia overtook Alabama, and probably fittingly so. Um, not a lot of good games this week. I don't think we have a single ranked matchup. Yep, um, um, Oregon BYU, that game is going to be okay. It's on, it's on at midnight. Who cares? Uh, it's actually <laughs> in Oregon. It might be at a ten o'clock start, but uh, Oregon BYU that has a lot of implications. No one talks about because BYU looks damn good. They look like a legit team. You know, we're talking about Zach Zach Wilson school. You know, go Mormons, right? But um, also, <laughs> also, also, me and uh, me and me and Liam were talking about this earlier because it was on our script at first. But I really cannot stand. I I, lo- I love looking at betting odds because usually they're pretty accurate. And right now, Penn State 
favored by three against Auburn. And I'm an Auburn hater, and I've always have been. But except when they play Alabama, then I love Auburn. <laughs> but um, but um, you're looking at an Auburn team that is two and zero, beat San Jose State by eight. T.J. Finley has looked less than impressive all year so far. Now Sean Clifford also has not looked very except except for his typical Sean Clifford moments where he leads a 75 play game winning touchdown drive and everyone's like, okay, never mind, he's good. But you're talking about a Penn State team that, again, they're in Auburn. It's a tough place to play. It's one of the hardest places to play. You're still telling me Penn State isn't going there and beating them by 10 with that rushing game they have? I mean, oh, my Lord. Let's talk about Sean Clifford, all right? I'm going to preface this saying I am not a Penn State fan. I was different. I wanted to be different growing up as a kid. I have never supported Penn State. Sean Clifford is way better of a quarterback than Penn State fans give him credit for. For the last, I don't know, like eight years, how long has he been there? I'm sorry, what? I mean, he's he's basically 26. I'm I expect sorry, him to have two kids. If you're 26 in college football and you still struggle to complete 65% of your passes as a 26-year-old in college football, you're bad. He if has you been... can't even get into the top 10 Heisman race and you're 26 years old in college football, you are bad. <laughs> Is he a Heisman candidate? No. He has been in an above average and serviceable Above average? Yes. There's a reason Penn State's called for They almost lost the game to Purdue week one because he was so awful. Oh, yeah, run Drew Hour out there. Let's see how he does in a full game against a Big Ten defense. He led two amazing drives that didn't end in touchdowns, but he led drives. Drew Aller has better arm strength, better athleticism, maybe not as good accuracy. Sean Clifford is bad. He is awful. You're talking about Nick Singleton in the backfield, the other kid they had. That I can't ever remember Mifflin. his name. Yeah, shout-out Governor Mifflin. I actually have a great story. I uh, We uh, scrimmaged Nick Singleton's team for Penn Manor, and um, as did we. boy, I did he – did he oh wow did he tear us a new one oh my goodness we're talking four rushes 100 yards and two touchdowns he he dug into us baby but uh you know they got nick singleton they got that other kid uh, in the back i can never remember his name sean clifford is holding penn state back and i will stand by this it has been years he's been holding penn state back by now drew aller has talent and like i said if you're 25 26 in college football right now and you can't even be top ten. In it's Heisman. time to go get a job. It is. It is time. Yeah, it is time to go get a job because you know we're talking about the great olds of the NFL. We're talking about Brandon Whedon, twenty nine when he was in college football, drafted at twenty nine by the Cleveland Browns. What about the guy from What about the guy from uh, Boston College, Doug Flutie? Doug Flutie. <laughs> Doug Flutie. Oh my lord! I'm just sorry, but to that say to say Sean Clifford isn't. You know, Penn State fans give him too much hate. It's for the right reason. That's because he holds that damn team back every year. <laughs> he is a Below, at best, average quarterback. And like I said, box scores tell you nothing because that Purdue game, if I never watched a second that game, like at the box score, and I see four touchdowns, I'm like, man, he played a great game. What I saw is a quarterback that started out one for eight on passes with four yards and had to get benched. And everyone could quote unquote injury. Yeah, shut up. It was not an injury, right? He he was a little banged up, and the coaches said, let's put Drew Aller in there. Led two great drives. For some reason, pushed Sean Clifford back in. I couldn't tell you why. And even look at this pass today. Drew Aller played great when he went in uh, for, I mean, not relief, but, you know, when they were blowing out, you know. Ohio. Yeah, the Bobcats, but whatever. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, you look at Penn State, and they've been held back by Sean Clifford so long. And like I said, they were a little spoiled with Tr- Trace McSorley, college goat, throw it on a dime. But, you know. <laughs> Trace McSorley, <laughs> throw <laughs> talking, it on a dime. You're talking about <laughs> a Penn State team try. that is so talented with so much talent around him. It is disgusting to see Sean Clifford with a starting job right now. 
just a kid from Briarwood. I'm wearing number. Okay, I'm done. As I'm saying that, as I'm saying that, Sean Clifford will be a future seventh round pick to the Carolina Panthers, so it'll be all right. Sean Clifford will somehow get drafted. <laughs> I think Matt Rule. I, I think Matt Rule drives him on purpose to lose his it job. Be, it will be. It will be. Hi, dude. I hope you do. If it, Matt Rule still has a foot job at the end of this year. I'd say I'd jump in a lake, but we saw how that wound up for Hugh Jackson. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, okay. tell you, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you this right now. Sean Clifford will just be just like Ian Book was, and I was never – oh, my goodness. I was never high on Ian, Ian Book. Ian Book is a goat. Don't disrespect oh the Notre Dame goodness. goat. Says the six-foot-five tall Irish kid. <laughs> yeah, says says Ian Book, you know, Ian Book lover over here. But Ian, he's going to be just like Ian Book where he gets drafted in the late rounds somehow, and then there's going to be all these – these decently talented, more high upside players, and it's it's gonna be sad. But man, Sean Clifford will probably be the you know second oldest player ever drafted. Obviously, that's hyperbole. But boy, Sean Clifford, what eighth year start at this rate? I mean, who? I feel like he's been starting at Penn State since I've been alive at this point. I mean, <laughs> my goodness, I'm sick and tired of you. Fourteen, you can you can leave now. And sorry, just I told him this fun fact the one time. I've never seen a quarterback announce his return on Instagram. And have to turn comments off because everyone is bashing him. <laughs> that like, was one of the best moments of the college like, football offseason. I've never seen someone make a return post and people lose their minds over how bad that was. Like that is, that is hilarious. All right, I think we got one more thing to talk about in college football, and I don't think it is the topic of it. I just want to have more of like a friendly debate on it. It was time for Scott Frost to go. Does anybody disagree with that? No. Yeah, he he, he gone. He deserves to be gone. I think he goes back, not not UC, not UCF, of course, but he, I think he goes back to another mid-major school and maybe not builds them up to, like, national championship level. He is an outstanding recruiter, terrible coach. Do not do not get me started on Scott Frost. <laughs> because when the, fi- when the hire first happened, lost my mind. Awful hire. I knew it was a little overrated hire. And then completely destroys Nebraska football. I mean, Nebraska football. It was already bad. It made it worse. <laughs> Made he, it pull, worse. he pulled a Chip Kelly on the Eagles. You remember when we, when even, we signed Chip even, Kelly and he literally <laughs> released – like our, we had a Pro Bowl team. He releases Deshaun Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, who was the best running back in football for three straight years, I, and you literally just drop him because he won't follow, follow a diet plan. I slept on the floor tonight. Deshaun McCoy got traded for Kiko Alonso. Yeah, I was so, – oh, well, Kiko Alonso did have that one one-handed pick against the Falcons. It's all worth so, it. So here's my thing about – um, Scott Frost, right? Scott Frost gets the luck of God himself, right? Gets Casey Thompson, a Texas transfer, hook him horns, and can't do anything with him. Casey, Th- dude, Casey Thompson was so high on when he transferred to Nebraska, right? Because they dealt with some very mediocre quarterbacks. And I think people gave Scott Frost benefit of the doubt, really didn't have any spectacular quarterbacks, right? Casey Thompson goes in, plays a heck of a game against Northwestern, right? Heck of a game. Over 300 yards. Really put Nebraska in a position to win. For Scott Frost to just just blow it. To just be awful. And it, I, I can't stand someone who gets this talent and can't do anything with it. I mean, that's what I was talking about earlier. Scott Frost is a tremendous recruiter. But you get to the point, we're in year six of Scott Frost Nebraska football. It gets to a point where this is your team. You can bring in top recruiting classes all you want. If you can't do anything with them, what's the point? He's a coordinator at a big school or he's a head coach at a mid-major school. That's all Scott Frost is. I think, um, is there anything we want to talk about like college football-wise after that? Uh, the fact that Penn State is ranked higher than Pitt is uh, 
I, I, I agree with that one. As much as I yeah. hate it. But uh, speaking of just pit footballs, no one cares, but I still got to say this. No matter who starts a quarterback for Pitt, I know it's a huge debate right now online. Um, it doesn't matter because they decided to model the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line and not block and <laughs> um, not help their players out because, boy, did Caden Slovis take a beating. I Personally, I almost drove to Pittsburgh and suited up myself just in case because first, <laughs> Caden Slovis goes down, Nick Patty goes in, and then messes up his knee when you know, four rushers, four 285-pound D1 men just start piling on him. Pause. So you're talking about <laughs> a situation where, you know, Nick Patty got wrecked. So now I think they're going to look at a FCS transfer out of, I think it was Duquesne. I forget his name right now, but probably will be going in. But a nice little FCS transfer will probably start for them because Caden Slovis is probably dead. Nick Patty's probably dead. And we're going to need uh, we're gonna need some help here. As, uh, I think Pitt will play Western Michigan. So... It'll be a late-time game, so excited for that one. All right, so that wrapping up our college football segment, um, we're going to go into our Week 2 picks for the NFL season, and we have some really, really, really good games. Almost every game I'm looking at right now is at the very least intriguing. So let's just run for them all. Let's start with tonight. We got the Chargers and the Chiefs, Thursday night football, Amazon Prime, money hungry. Um, um, quick thing as well. We want to – let's predict scores as well. So Chargers-Chiefs, my original score prediction, I'm predicting Chargers 23-20. to 20. That's my prediction. I got the Chiefs winning 31-28. to 28. Respectable. I mean, I'm a little more of a spread guy than scores because predicting <laughs> scores is a little hard and – I don't have a gambling problem. That's not true. But anyway, um, Chargers, Chargers, give me Chargers by 10. I think the Chargers waltz right in there, destroy them. And you know why? Because Justin Herbert, baby. Oregon legend Justin Herbert. Oh, uh, Give me Chargers 10. I'm going to preface this by saying both teams looked incredible week one. The, the Chargers had a great win, and the Chiefs, I mean – over over Kyler Murray's Cardinals, they they dominated that game. Anybody could have quarterbacked that team, and the Chiefs would have won that game. I'm really high on the Chiefs right now, so I, I'll take a I'll take a last second field goal if Chiefs win. All right, uh, looping back around to that Chiefs Cardinals game, I think the new COD released for Kyler Murray, so he played a little worse <laughs> than expected. But um, disregarding that, um, the I, I cannot believe it, but the Kansas City kicker gets hurt. Their backup comes in. Who's their? Isn't he their backup safety? Right. Uh, is uh Justin Reed? I think is his first Justin name. Reed. He is a. Uh, it was a phenomenal safety uh, with the Texans traded or tra- either cut or signed with the Chiefs. Uh, he's a tremendous safety, but uh, was a kicker in high school. And if I'm not wrong, he a might hold. Kicker at he Stanford. might. He Are might. Yeah, and he was. Well, he Stanford. kicked in high school too. Yeah. And if I'm not wrong, I think he holds a state record for a field goal. But I'll have to look. I'll have to look more into that later. But pretty uh-huh. sure he has a good kicking record in high school, and obviously he was an emergency kicker, but. Brother can boot, man. He can I mean, he boot. can boot. He made the kickoff um, through the uprights, yeah. which is kind of crazy. So, um, going back to that, we'll go into our next game. Patriots-Steelers. I think this is honestly a must-win game for the Patriots, and they really need to show off their style. But I do think that the Steelers are literally just going to obliterate them. Um, the Pats have, like, zero talent on their team, and that's just true. They literally have uh, Damian Harris, and that's it on that offense, in my opinion. Mac Jones will not do anything with no wide receivers, 
and their defense literally lost all of their playmakers. They lost they lost Stephon Gilmore, even though he wasn't he didn't play really much last year. But they lost J.C. Jackson, who was probably top three corner in the league last year. I think we can all agree on that. And now he's on the Chargers. Another reason the Chargers defense is so good. So I'm picking the Steelers. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Steelers twenty eight. I'm gonna say um, Patriots nine. So I'm gonna go here. I, I'm also not a betting man, unless what well, Tyler says he's not a betting man. I have never placed a bet in my life. Why are the Patriots favored in this game? What? what? That's literally what I was going to talk about. So, so I'll tell you why, right? And as a Steelers fan, it's because I've seen this and I've cried about it so many times. The Steelers, good old 4-3, cover three system. Boy, 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 do the Patriots love to eat that up. And, yeah, that was Tom Brady, right? Like, you know, he was there. But Bill Belichick knows how to destroy that – Three, uh, the three-four rush system, cover three. The Steelers' problem is, is they net they really struggle to get out of their own way. So when Mac Jones starts cooking us in a cover three, and all these Steelers fans are gonna act shocked. I'm a Steelers fan, are gonna act shocked. I'm gonna be the one that's not shocked because we won't change out of it. We've seen this in many AFC championships. Me and Ryan Kennedy, that we've seen this in so many AFC championship games where we don't, we you know, we don't send pressure. We try to let our edge rushers go, and you're not gonna have T.J. Watt. And I'm sorry, but. I do the Steelers winning because Steelers to the Super Bowl, of course, right? Oh my God. You know, Steelers to the Super Bowl. I, I mean, I mean, I will say, it might be. I, I honestly might say, I feel like the Steelers have a better chance of making the Super Bowl than the Eagles from what Steelers they showed yesterday. Steelers to the Super Bowl. I know I'm an Eagles fan. I'm a homer, <laughs> but I did not so, like the way Jalen Hurts played. But here's, but here's my thing, right? It's the Patriots have had our number for so long, and because of the same stagnated system we play, I have the Steelers winning, but. I think it will be a lot closer game than what people are going to give the Patriots. And I, like I said, oh, shocker. Mac Jones has regressed. Probably because you have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia running your offense. <laughs> that probably will probably not help progression. But, uh, yeah. Liam has lost the microphone privileges after that last statement. Um, one more thing I want to say there. This could be, like we said, a little bit of a trap game for the Steelers. You come back, you win over the defending AFC champions. And, you know, I mean, you lost T.J. Watt. This is a sneaky Patriots team with the cover 4-3 system. I don't think that – I think this could be a little bit of a trap because the Patriots, by most people's perceptions, aren't that good. And, you know, it is in Pittsburgh. It is at – what are you calling it now? Well, most people are still calling it Heinz. Yeah, Jack of whatever insurance firm stadium. <laughs> I'm very tempted to pick the Patriots. I think I'm going to. You know, a little 10.1. All right, I got the Steelers winning twenty to fourteen, and and I didn't mean my pick. Uh, Steelers by forty because Steelers to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, next game we got Ravens Dolphins, which I actually think will be a pretty good game, but I think it'll just be the battle of the quarterbacks, and I think Lamar Jackson is just levels above Tua, and uh, I really want Tua to show some more. Um, I feel like he can show it. I feel like he needs to be trusted a little bit more, and he has the wide receiver options. Even though I do think that Patrick Mahomes made made Tyreek Hill look really, really good at Cincy or at um, um or on the Chiefs, um, I do think that Tua just needs to take that next step up, and I feel like he has it in him. I just feel like they need to put more trust in him. And uh, I pick. I, I'm going to pick the Ravens by ten. Ravens by fourteen. Next. Yeah, I remember whenever the Ravens played the Dolphins, like. It was either last year or a couple of years ago, and they won by, like, a pretty considerable margin. So I got the Ravens winning by, like, 14, I'll say. Before I go, pay the man. Lamar deserves to be paid every single dollar ever. 
I will say that forever. And that's a Steelers fan because, boy, do I love playing against Lamar because he's <laughs> so awful. Against, but pay, pay the man. But um, all three of you going Ravens. Well, I was going to go Ravens, but because I want to be different, I'm going to go with the Dolphins. I'm going to go with the Dolphins by six because Tua. Fair enough. All right, we got the Buccaneers and the Saints here. The Saints, let's face it, they won. They played horrible. I mean, they're, they're going up against Marcus Mariota and the Falcons, and they looked like a peewee football team for the first three quarters of the game. Um, I honestly completely agree with that. I just think the Bucks are going to bully them up front. I do think that the Saints' defense is, like, really, really good. I do think they need to show a little bit more. Um, so I'm going to pick Bucks. I think Bucks by 13. That's my pick. I think this is going to be a lot closer of a game than you guys are giving it credit for. It's a divisional matchup. Those games are always close. Um, I'll pick the upset. I got the Saints winning by three. I also agree with Ryan. It's a divisional game, and you guys also forget – the Saints have had Brady's number since he's been in the NFC South. Have That defense has got to him and got to him, and guess what? No one's talking about. Brady looked awful against the Cowboys. He's finally looked mid-40s. He really – I mean, you talk about a touchdown pass to Mike Evans that if that wasn't Mike Evans, no one's making that crap. There was that sequence, though, um, towards the end of the first half where Brady just uncorked back-to-back, 50-yard-plus throws. I don't think the second one was caught. I think it was dropped. But – it was a drop, but you're talking about a Cowboys defense, right, who for a while now has not been good, right? They lose their quarterback. Cowboys never do anything on offense, and you still only put up 19 with an offense that Chris Godwin, who I don't think played, but Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Tom Brady, and the Bucks' offensive line is bad. They have lost a lot of people up front. They're bad. They only put up, yeah, they only put up 19 points. Not great. Also, Ali Marpet retired. You're looking at a Bucks offensive line, and I'm saying that's not a good that's not a good front. And that Saints team, yeah, it was against the Falcons. Yeah, they looked bad. But guess what? They showed that the Bucks really didn't resilience. The Saints have already put themselves in a situation where they had to face adversity, and they showed resilience. And Jameis Winston, I think, looked great. And Mike Thomas, he's back. Mike Thomas played exceptional. I think the bookmakers are pretty accurate here. I'll take the Buccaneers by two or three points. I'm gonna take the Saints by four. Okay, moving into our uh, next game, we have our. Uh trusty old quarterback named Joseph Flacco uh, versing the Cleveland Brown massage parlors. Um, All right, let's stay on the air here. But (laughs) on on a real note, it's going to be New York Jets versus Cleveland Browns. Uh, I honestly think this game is not going to be very entertaining. No one's going to watch this. No one's going to watch this. I think it's going to be very low scoring. That's my personal opinion. But I do think the Browns pull out a win because I think Jacoby Brissett is that guy. (laughs) <laughs> NC, NC State legend. NC State percent. legend, yep. I don't think this should be a seven-point spread, but I really don't have any argument for why the Jets are winning this football game, so I'm going to go to Browns. I got the Browns winning by 13. You know what? I had I had Browns written down, but because I was reminded Joe Flacco's elite and he has a, <laughs> he has a Super Bowl under his belt and Jacoby Brissett doesn't, give me Joe Flacco and give me Jets by 10. Go by ten, go by Joe. You sound like my dad right now. But oh. guess what? But guess guess what? Flacco. Anybody has. from Delaware? Guess what? Flacco has that a Jacoby Brissett doesn't. Flacco has played the Browns tons of time in his career, and just like all the NFC AFC North quarterbacks in the time, they everyone owned the Browns because they were awful. So give me give me give me the Jets by ten, baby. Also, the Browns have that ugly logo in the middle of their field what? now. What? I love that. No, I, I hate sick. that. that I amazing. think it looks it's terrible. Amazing. No, it's not. Sick. No, it's it amazing. Okay, um, next game, um, Colts-Jags. Um, I'm personally thinking, um, it, well, it depends if the Jags are at home or not. I have no Jags clue. 
The Jags are all right. Jags are winning. It's going to be Jags by ten because the Colts have not beat the Jaguars on the Jaguars at home since like twenty twelve or something. Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Tie. What? <laughs> I'm joking. There's I'm no joking. way you just predicted a tie. I'm joking. I'm not predicting a tie. Uh, I I just didn't like the way the Colts looked. I didn't really like the Jags either, but uh, Jags. I think the Colts look better towards the back end of that game, so I'll pick the Colts. They don't have Carson Wentz throwing away the game anymore. I got the Colts winning my seven. <laughs> All Matt Ryan has to do, turn around, hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor, and let him work against that Jags defense. Because Javon Walker played great as a pass rusher, but there's a lot left to be desired with his run uh, run defense. So I'm going to pick the Colts by seven. All right, we're running a little short in time here, so we're going to go quick fire. Commanders, Lions, who wants to watch that game? Nobody. Me. No, I actually want to watch that game. I think that'll be entertaining. I'm being 100% honest. I think the Lions looked very, very good against the Eagles. I think they proved a lot. I, I think they proved that their D-line is not actually bad. Um, I think that the Lions will win that game. I think they'll win that. I'm going to say I'm gonna say 24-17. to 17. Anybody have an issue with the Lions here? All right, anybody have any issues with the Giants against the Panthers? Uh, Yeah. What are you guys picking? Cause I got Giants. I got Giants. What? Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Uh, okay, yes. let's be real. Yes. Um, The Titans were a not-so-long field goal away from winning that game. Uh, Give me the Panthers and give me Baker 300 yards, three tutties. That's my guy. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> Baker's my guy, baby. <laughs> OU legend, give me Panthers. And what was the game before that we were talking about, right? The uh, Commanders and yeah, Lions win, but give me the Panthers, baby. All right, we got Seahawks 49ers. Um, we skipped the Falcons and Rams. We'll get back to that later. Seahawks 49ers. This is going to be a better football game than I think most people think. Uh, I think the Seahawks are a bit due for a little bit of a meltdown, so we'll go with the Niners. But Yeah, I'm going Niners. I think the Niners win this one by 17. I don't think it'll be really – I understand that, like, disbelief, but I just think the Niners' defense will expose Geno Smith because he is an absolute fraud when he plays good defenses. Niners by 14. Niners. All right, um, let's go back to the Falcons and the Rams. Do we need to talk about that game? Nah, Rams destroyed. Uh, All right, uh, Bengals-Cowboys. Do we need to talk about that game either? Dak with Cowboys? Uh, Bengals, yeah, probably. Yeah, Bengals unless, unless the Cowboys make some trade before then. All unless right. they get goat. Mason Russ is going to come out and dominate against the Texans. It's just That's just the way no. it's going to be. I don't. I think I actually. You think Davis Mills is gonna win? No, no, it's not Davis Mills. Seriously, I, I think Nathaniel look Hackett. Me, look at me straight up, and I'm, do not laugh. I'm staring. Do at not you. laugh. I'm staring. Stare at, at me and now. say it seriously. I'm dead staring. You. I'm putting down on my phone right now that I'm picking the Texans because Nathaniel Hackett. I don't trust him that much. Give me the Texans by three. He's due for a bounce back game. Russ is gonna cook. He's gonna ride. He, it wasn't him. He played great. It, yeah, no, Nathaniel the, Hackett. The, but he's gonna be. Yeah, good. it's. I, I think that the Broncos are gonna win this. I think it's gonna be by about. I'd say ten, and then um. Do we want to move on to the next game? Yeah, we really got to go. Um, Cardinals, Raiders. Um, Raiders. Yeah. Uh, Packers, Bears. Again, Packers. Packers. Aaron Rodgers. We don't have time to talk oh, about it. The Bears. Bills are going to kill the Texans. Eagles, Vikings. Um, we don't have as much time I'm to talk about it as I like. But. Did you say Bills and Texans? Uh, no. It, Bills and Titans. Bills, Titans. Yeah. Uh, give me the Titans on that one. All right. Uh, and then we got Vikings, Eagles to round it out on Monday Night Football. And uh, surprisingly... I'm actually picking the Vikings Justin for this Jefferson one. Justin Jefferson is going to gritty all over you, bad boys. Will, it's over. Vikings. Main main reason why is the Eagles showed like a pretty decent pass rush against the Lions, but that's not happening on the Vikings, in my opinion. I think that the Vikings are going to march down the field because they have the better offensive weapons. 
Yep, Justin Jefferson's gritting. It's over. This is where I insert and making an eagle sound, but I can't do that. So I'm just going to say, go, Birds. We're running out of time. So I would like to thank Alex Hare, Don Marie Benford, and the entire WSQ, WQSU Sports Department. We'll be back next week as we talk a little bit more of the NFL, talk a little bit more college football. Maybe we start getting into the MLB playoff preview, but that is all we got today. Four dudes, one mic. We're out. <laughs>